Welcome to the Dollars and Cents Radio Show with your host, accountant and author Carol Topp, the homeschool CPA. Carol takes confusing topics such as money and business and puts them into clear English. She's ready to share her knowledge with you on today's show. Well, hi, everybody. Welcome back to the Homeschool Leader Podcast. This is your host, Carol Topp, and I am excited to have with me a guest, uh, Julie Schiffman, who is um, a home educator, homeschooler, as well as an advocate for alternate education coming from California. And Julie has taken the opportunity to tell us a little bit about a new project she's got going, a website called Ten Toad. She'll explain that. But uh, we're really here to talk about something that has just bubbled up and come, become very popular in California and spilling over to the rest of the country, and that is something called a pandemic pod or pod schooling. So, Julie, thanks so much for taking the time. Welcome to the podcast, and I'm looking forward to talking with you about pandemic pods and how it's like or not like homeschooling. Thank you, Carol. Thanks for inviting me. I'm really happy to be here. So, okay, you've got a couple other ways you, you want to distinguish between homeschooling and pod schooling. So we talked about who delivers the education, where might it take place. Let's talk about the how, which can be like a curriculum or the philosophy. Why don't you touch on that a little bit? Well, on, you know, on a basic level, pod schools are there to continue the typical curriculum from the school district. So it's usually going to be some sort of, and I'm, again, really generalizing here into this particular one, that uh, the type of top pod school that, that is an all-in-one. It, it, gives, it gives everything. It's typically mm-hmm. going to have one teacher or a couple of teachers that are delivering a one-size box curriculum where, or online all-in-one type curriculum because now a lot of it's online. But, yeah, like an all-in-one type curriculum that's very similar to what's going on in the, you know, what common core aligned, whatever state standards you have um, for your schools. And the, the reasoning for that is so that families feel that their kids won't fall behind, what that, whatever that means to them. Um, right. Or so, it's and, a transition back to the public school because you use a, a curriculum that was either from the public school or very, very similar to the public school curriculum. Right, exactly. It's just, it's, that's, mm-hmm. that's, that's the how. It's like we're going to do it just the way schools do it. And in homeschooling, well, so many different ways to homeschool, but yeah. a lot of families will take what we call the eclectic approach to homeschooling where they take, you know, a little bit of this philosophy and a little bit of that approach and have, you know, a whole bunch of different resources from all over, and they create a learning program that works best for their families and it sometimes looks like families sharing a curriculum or sharing some resources but it's not for the intention of keeping up with a school system and their arbitrary designations of grade levels but uh, it's it's more because we have a shared interest or we you know we we want to work together on this project or whatever it's not necessarily yes. done to you know to do like school. It does, it's, it's intention right. is not to right. like I think when I started homeschooling, I heard this so much, but homeschooling doesn't try to replicate the school at home. We, you know, I was advised, don't do school at home. 
Right. Okay. You, and and when you talk about eclectic, I, I wouldn't have called myself at the time, but I look back now on my homeschooling years, and my kids are grown-ups now, so I can look back and say, yeah, I really did take an eclectic approach. Some years right. I loved Sunlight's curriculum. Other years I used Mystery of History. I, I used one math program with one child and a completely different math program with a different child. Why? Because they learned differently. One daughter loved workbooks. Another one didn't. She needed to be less less book-oriented and more active. So, gosh, that's the blessing of homeschooling, isn't it? Is that I can tailor the education to the way this child learns best and will be most successful, as opposed to sticking to a curriculum that is picked by somebody else who doesn't know my child. So big difference there in the approach. And in in pod schooling, it might become more eclectic because it might only be three to five or six children, and maybe that hired teacher is free enough to say, I'm going to pick a different math program for Johnny because he learns different from Susie, right? Right. And she might have the freedom to do that. But if they are trying to follow, say, the virtual curriculum that their public school offers, it gives maybe comfort to some parents, but it takes away uh, freedom of education. So we hope that the, the hired teacher, rather, of a pandemic pod will be granted the freedom to, to educate the children in, um, in ways that she's never experienced before. This might be just mind-blowing for that teacher. <laughs> I hope she I'm just, just, just enjoy the freedom is what I want to say. Um, I agree. Yeah. I think the, the, the opportunities are there, but again, they they, they, they may, I, think, I think every teacher in their heart would love to follow a child's curiosity yes. and continue down that road, but I think a lot of, of times they, they feel so constrained by the expectations either of the parents or of the school district or, yeah. The looming the, test over their heads, right? Yeah. The test, yeah. the falling behind. Mm-hmm. Are we going to be able to test appropriately? And so uh, homeschoolers typically don't worry about the test. And, and that's not to say. No, so, we do not. Not to say some don't take a school-at-home approach, but like you were saying, it's a more of an individualized school-at-home approach where they can shift gears. But, but like you said earlier, I, I, I often tell people, you know what, if school wasn't working out for you at school, do not try to replicate school at home. But you know what, for some people, school was working out for them at school. So maybe replicating a school-at-home program isn't going to be a disaster, but it certainly can no. still be. It can because it's it's not school. You're not you're not you know you don't have the same expectations in your school. It's just, right, but and it's it's different. A teacher who has to manage twenty to to thirty children in a classroom is a very different approach than the the six children in a pod or from homeschooling. So how the education gets delivered is different. But I will say probably most folks, and you've talked a lot, so you know this better than I do, but most folks who are transitioning from a school system to homeschooling probably don't go free-form unschooling. You know, probably there's a transition period of maybe a few months where they, they will kind of look like school at home. Probably it helps mom gain mom or the parent gain confidence and it also right. might give the child some stability, uh, predictability that, that they want and need as well. So not a sin to start with, <laughs> you know, a little right. more school-like approach, like here's your books, let's sit down at a desk and, and go through them. No, that's, that's okay. But, but enjoy the freedom as you gain confidence, dear homeschool mom and dear, dear uh, pandemic pod teacher. Yeah. 
Yeah, absolutely. I always try to meet people where they're at so that, you know, I, I recognize that they need to find something that feels comfortable and familiar so that they can make this very difficult step into the unknown. And holding on to that familiarity really gives them somewhat more confidence to make the yeah. jump off the school boat and into the homeschool pool. <laughs> and then they they hang out with some unschoolers or people who are mixing in a little unschooling with their schooling and who are taking a more relaxed approach or a more eclectic approach where they're really seeing, oh, well, I can do this and this instead of just what I thought I had planned for them. And they start seeing the different ways in which it can work for their family differently and better, and they start to shift gears, what we often call finding their groove. You know, those first few months, they're finding their groove. And then and then if they really do want to stick with it, if they really do think that this is something that they can do, they, you know, they, they could be ending up real homeschoolers in the end. I really think that in the yeah. end, a lot of these pod schoolers are still not yeah. going to return to the school, even after there's no more COVID concerns. I think that for a significant percentage, and that could be as low as, you know, 2%. That's still a very significant percentage, but I think it's going to be higher. That's that's a huge jump for us. Yeah. So, yeah. and and it'll yeah. have a severe impact on the district in in general, but I also I honestly believe it's going to be much more than that. I think a lot of families are going to realize, "Wow, this is awesome." Cuz not only are people homeschooling because of COVID concerns, but a lot of them are saying, "I was considering it beforehand, now I'm going to do it." I've seen that. So, I've seen that. There's a lot of Which people gets, who had this thought in their head anyway. Yep. Which gets into your last point of how are the pandemic pods different from homeschooling, and that is the why. Um, right. wh- why are they doing this? So, again, we've kind of touched on why a parent might choose pandemic pods. It's because their, their local or their state government has said, some of them have said we can only offer remote learning and the virtual learning the remote learning has not worked especially for the younger uh, younger students excuse me the younger elementary it's just difficult so um, some of them have health concerns they they just don't want to get the pandemic they don't want their kids exposed they know kids are probably not good at social distancing one dad told me basically his why Julie was just he he has the children who were adopted and they've had a lot of unstable instability in their lives and he feels like a, a, a school-like experience in a pod will give them some stability that they need. I, I honor that. He's a, he's a loving, caring dad, okay? Those are his mm-hmm. whys. So let's talk about the other whys why someone might pick um, a pod and why, why the whys of why parents might homeschool. Right. So I think that for the most part, parents want – a lot like he was saying. Uh, they, they want to recreate something that feels familiar, that looks like school, that gives kids the sense of uh, continuity and familiarity. I see parents creating little school setups in their homes like that you would see in a, a classroom come September or August, depending on where you live. But, uh, you know, when the school year starts, you know, teachers have, you know, the welcome signs and the, the desks are all prettied up with signs and, 
and students' names displayed and all that kind of stuff, I'm seeing parents recreating that. So they very much want mm -hmm. to recreate a school at home, not only for the learning gaps, but also because they feel that it's best for their children's emotional well-being. Yeah. Interestingly enough, uh, some, some people have pointed out that school might not actually be very beneficial for children's mental and emotional health. <laughs> Even for mm -hmm. those of us mm -hmm. like myself who I, I loved school so much I became a teacher. I have a master's degree in education yeah. and I started my career out in the public school system and I thought that was going to be what I was going to do because um, I loved school. There's still things that school does that creates an, an imbalance in my social or my emotional wellness and my emotional well-being like specifically I can name that as a young girl I became very much a people pleaser and I just wanted to please my teachers and I didn't learn for my own learning sake I didn't learn because of my own curiosity I learned to get a score on a test so mm -hmm. I compromised my own uh, sense of self so there, there, there are some deep things that we don't, might not recognize on the surface for even those who are successful at school, that there are, you know, maybe some emotional and mental well-being things that aren't ideally what we would want for our children. Hmm. That's um, very interesting. Thanks for sharing that about your, your life. I, I have been reading some articles about during the lockdown in, in March and April of 2020, how parents were reporting their children were happier. Right. Partially because life was less busy. They had more time with their parents. They uh, got to explore things like cooking and, and things that they never had the time to do before. The pace of the family life was better. That's not true for all children. We know that, Julie. We aren't even beginning to hear the stories of children who um, who suffered because their parents were not these loving parents. But I did love to hear that the the lockdowns, much as we hated them, did bring out some blessings in many, many families of this. Kids were sometimes happier. And I think enough parents saw that and say, I want, I want to continue some of that. But here we are in the fall looking at trying to get kids educated. It's not, uh, it's not summer anymore. We're, Julie and I are talking at the end of July 2020 here. So, yeah. But why do parents homeschool, Julie? Different motivations then? Definitely. There, a lot of times parents homeschool because they don't like what's going on in the school system, whether it's in the classroom or the system you know, as a whole, um, that they just don't agree with the top-down delivery of uh, a curriculum feeding information into a child's mind like um, a trough. Mm -hmm. But also they, they tend to be okay going outside the lines and recognize that their children learn asynchronously and that, you know, yeah. they can move ahead in math really quickly yeah. and maybe they're struggling in another area where they would benefit from spending more time with the material so that they can really customize the learning experience for the child so they feel successful instead of um, what our school superintendent had called a deficit model, and that's what schools work on is a deficit model. It's like mm. if there's if there are children mm. below the average, we're going to work on getting that up. If somebody's above the average, mm. 
great. <laughs> Thank you for playing, yeah. you know. Yeah. So oh. it allows a parent to really uh, customize the, oppor- the learning opportunities for that child so that they are feeling successful instead of feeling like that they're not good enough. There, there's, no, uh, there's nobody to compare to. So, and that's um, sometimes good for that emotional health of the child too as well. I know I had one daughter who, yeah, just as you described, zipped through her math books, got all the way through calculus as, as a senior in high school, and the other daughter who was wired differently, talented differently, took two years to get through Algebra two. And we did not do any more math beyond that. She mm-hmm. didn't need it for her, her college career, and she didn't, certainly doesn't need it in her, her life work now. So I loved homeschooling. I loved learning. I loved that my, I wanted my kids to love learning. They still do. I love what you said about customizing education, but I also appreciated the flexibility. So I was talking to a, a friend of mine who's got preschoolers. She's considering not putting her child into kindergarten, which would be coming up soon. Instead, she's saying, you know what, if I homeschool this year, we can go travel and see my parents who are getting old, and I don't know how many more times my kids will have a relationship with their grandparents. Touched my heart. I said, yes, yeah. kindergarten, at, kindergarten at home is so fun. Don't, oh, yeah. don't give that joy to somebody else, is what I told her. You and know, all those and, parents and then, who are you know, sleeping on the mm-hmm. first day of kindergarten because it just doesn't feel right to send their kid off for five, six, seven hours a day. So That was me. I just, yeah. I, just couldn't, I just couldn't see it being good, and and I like I homeschooled for 14 years, really loved it, and and I would have said that to you while I was doing it as well, and it's not just looking back with rose-colored glasses. <laughs> well, thanks so much, Julie, um, for that wrap-up of how you see pod schooling very different from homeschooling, and you were talking more about the you know the who teaches and and where it's being done, how it's being done, why it's being done. I'm going to touch on my website, Homeschool CPA, some more of the legal aspects of how pod schooling, we touched on a little bit. It might be more of a daycare. It might be more of a private school in your state. It may or may not be a homeschooling according to your state laws, but I'm going to start hashing out some of that as I talk to more potential pod schoolers from various states and try to give people guidance. You have a wonderful resource on your website, and I want to talk about your website too a little bit, but you have a wonderful checklist, I guess I'd call it. Uh, you, mm-hmm. you call it the Micro School and Learning Pods Checklist and Considerations. And it's a PDF over at 10toad.com. But you have this wonderful list of, hey, if you're thinking of starting a learning pod, some people call them micro schools. They, they might be different. I'll probably do a blog post on that. Um, but, um, you know, check into everything from zoning to insurance to taxes to um, contracts. You have a wonderful list of, of things that the, the parents of starting these um, pod schools need to consider. So folks, go on over to tentoad.com. Julie, tell and me what, what in the heck is Tentoad, and I want you to tell me a little bit about what kind of things you, you offer at Tentoad. Okay, and that's ten toad, as in frog and toad. Um, yes, thank you. T e n t o a d. So ten toad.com. We offer support for families transitioning to homeschooling, and right now, what that looks like are these online events that we've been doing, that have been really successful. We have keynote speakers and panelists, um, where families can um, speak directly to. Uh, through through a Q&A session, they can speak directly to the panelists and ask their own 
burning questions. And we also have, at the end of the event, a, an opportunity for families to meet with the vendors and providers of homeschool uh, learning resources and support, especially with the big sea of things out there, the, the sea of opportunities that seem so um, widely available right now and everybody trying to get a little bit of that homeschool market, these vendors are people that have um, been curated by our homeschool community, meaning that we know that these people have been offering homeschool and or other learning resources legitimately. And the events are, they're regionally based uh, for a couple of reasons, but uh, because they're virtual, it means anybody anywhere can attend. So the majority of the information and resources are for everybody everywhere. But then, like I said, right now we're focused on helping families transition to homeschooling. The questions are a lot about, like, getting started homeschooling. And as the school year progresses, the content will shift to continually supporting you through your homeschool journey. There'll be stuff on de-schooling. There'll be stuff on managing the shifting gears and all the kinds of things that happen in those first few months. And um, so you can get some ongoing support if you would like to keep coming. And the, the, the great thing is that uh, it, it is available for free to uh, registrants. These are uh, free resources, wow. and the vendors and the sponsors often have or will have special discounts and offers for the attendees, and there are book giveaways, and some vendors are offering raffle prizes for people who stop by their booths. And uh, so it, it is. It, it seems a lot like those uh, the, the old conferences we used to go to in person, for sure. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I'm all of which, uh, almost all of which got canceled <laughs> because of COVID. So here Absolutely. we are with a whole bunch of parents interested in homeschooling and no uh, regional or local convention for them to go to. So a lot of them did opt for virtual and got their speakers to still deliver their their workshops. Um, but I like what you're doing, which is more regional. So I don't know if this will get there and this podcast will air in time, but I know on August 1st you're having a Southern California virtual homeschool fair and you have tentative hmm. plans on August 15th for a Northern California a virtual homeschool fair as well. And then hopefully, like you said, more in the, in the future. But I understand you're focusing on regions. That's kind of neat. Um, um, I like that. So that's over at 10toad.com, T-E-N-T-O-A-D.com. And um, I think I'm going to look forward to seeing what more you're going to offer because I know there's going to be a lot of folks, say, like maybe April or May of 2021, that are saying, okay, I tried the pandemic pod pros and cons, how about I now transition to, you know, more parent-directed um, homeschooling, and um, they'll benefit greatly from your website as well as some of these events you're going to have, so yay. Yeah, Good timing, awesome. Julie. Couldn't have picked that, could you? <laughs> yeah, you know, I, I, I basically, I took all the work that I've done for the last 10-plus years as a volunteer on the statewide and local level. Um, I've been doing this kind of work, helping families transition to homeschooling, and I basically took all that information, all that experience, and just kind of streamlined it because I had to, because this number of phone calls and inquiries I was getting was just overwhelming. <laughs> Yeah. Which is wonderful. We we both, Julie and I, homeschooled for a long time. She still is. We do want people to know the, the wonderful benefits of of home education 
for both for parents as well as for children, for the family, even for the greater society. So I just want to thank thank everybody out there for listening. Go check out uh, Julie's website, especially if you're considering a pandemic pod. I will put the show notes, her links to her website in the show notes, which you can find over at um, homeschoolcpa.com slash podcast. Look for this episode it's airing in, uh, like I said, and it'll probably air in August 2020. And uh, as always, you can find lots of information about starting your homeschool program at homeschoolcpa.com. So thanks so much for listening, everybody. Thank you for joining the Dollars and Cents Radio Show with Carol Topp here at the Ultimate Homeschool Radio Network. For more helpful information, visit Carol at her website, homeschoolcpa.com.